This is Mel. And this is Allie. And this is Get Get Hype! shirt on my cat and she hates it oh yeah that's it yeah i mean we bought like a a toddler like an infant shirt a little blue and red check onesie uh-huh. uh with like a collar and buttons and we put it on her and she thinks she's dying it, she's not dying but she thinks she is i have one important question yeah is the collar popped yes okay because that's the only way Queen Felicia Queen should Felicia, wear a shirt. Queen Felicia, her royal highness, ruler of Aramor, the Pale Moon Monarch, is wearing a baby onesie from Walmart with the collar popped. Excellent. Good, good, good. Photos on Twitter. I am super excited about this hype session. Me too. I'm so excited because we have an extremely special guest who I adore dearly. A very cool person. A very cool person. We're both stoked to have Cat Cool on the show. Hey, Cat. Hi. Hi, Allie and Mel. <laughs> Hello. Welcome, Thank Kat. you for having Hello. me on your show. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> How are Thank you, you Honestly, <laughs> I am very excited that you agreed to do this, not just because it takes some of your precious time to do so, but because you are somebody who happens to be extremely passionate about several things in your life. I do get very excited very easily, <laughs> and I stay yes. excited for yes. the rest of my life, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's and, then, and then you get dragged by your friends and get forced <laughs> to buy silly garbage that they draw and put yes. on products for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> But this is not a this is not this is not a roast cat cool session. No, this, this is, is not a get roast. hype session. So cat. Yeah. Cat. Yeah. What are you hype about? Well, well, first, hold on. Yeah. We what? we need to do the introduction okay. because Do we? She's famous. She is. <laughs> no, I'm not god. <laughs> okay, cat, pretend you're not famous and tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, I am a small town games designer. <laughs> Born, not born and raised, actually. Born in Newark, raised in Baltimore, now living in Chicago. I helped found the One Shot Podcasting Network, which uh, puts out a number of analog gaming-related podcasts, one of which is a show called Campaign that I do that is like three men and a baby in space. That's a Star Wars show that I GM. I'm also on this thing called Never Tell Me the Pods, which is a Star Wars discussion show. So there's a theme here. Uh, my best friend James and I have a small publishing company that puts out games called Paracosm Press. Mel, do I do anything else? I mean, no, that's it. Not, I'm, not I'm really. like yep. a freelance role-playing game type person. That's what I do. Yeah. Perfect. Cool. For, for anyone who is unaware... That is who you are. Guys, That's Jesus. Who is. <laughs> um, so now, Kat, yeah. what are you hype about? Believe it or not, you guys, I'm hype about Knuckles the Echidna. No. We knew you were going to say that. It's a fucking joke. And... <laughs> Don't worry. It was a joke. <laughs> I was prepared. <laughs> sad Malice. She's <laughs> so sad. <laughs> you would have proved James right. James said <laughs> so that five sad. minutes ago. 
right? He literally uh, said that you would hype it again and I would be stuck in a horrible loop of Knuckles the Echidna <laughs> bullshit for the rest of my oh, life. So, I don't know. So I feel like there's more layers to Knuckles the Echidna there that is. we haven't explored yet. There's so oh, many. I'm sure and, there are. And I don't. There are. And he's very interesting. And if the actual thing that I'm hyping is something that somebody else has hyped, you best believe my fallback is Knuckles the Echidna. So here's hoping no. that oh, nobody has oh, hyped the thing that I'm planning to hype today. Drum roll. It's the Discworld series. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. That's not been hyped. Thank Get goodness. Us. Good. Do it. Awesome. Yay. Okay. Okay. So the Discworld books are a collection of comic fantasy books uh, made by a man called Terry Pratchett. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Terry Pratchett was, I believe, born in 1948 and he died in 2015. And he was just uh, really, really cool. And he made this, collect like, he just made this thing that's called the Discworld, which is a D&D inspired, like, mirror of our world and used it to tell a lot of different types of stories. And I didn't really, like, engage with it until college, until uh, my best friend James actually was like, you should... No, you should read these. And um, I like read, I think, one or two books while I was in my first year of school. And then that summer, I read the rest of them. I read like 40 something books all in a row. Wow. Um, They like, dude, they're good. (laughs) And (laughs) right. Like, it's like, shoot, how to discuss a thing that you really like. So I'm going to need you guys to ask questions because there are so many different sure okay that because to put it in perspective yeah there are like so many books like that at the time there were like 40 something Mm -hmm. um and now uh in total i'm not even sure how many there are i'm sure i could get the total number but i'm i'm positive at the you know completed time there must have been over 50 okay that there's quite a dearth of books and they cover a wide variety of subject matter and different times they don't all focus they don't all ca- uh, like follow one person at all that's part of the appeal they follow lots of different mm. groups of characters and part of the mass appeal of it to me was um how he tackled his world building and then the fact that he used it to do like deeply satirical work that was like really mm. really grounded in criticizing things happening in our world mm. most of the time not like directly political right back and forth with direct analogs but like getting at stuff at the heart of humanity types of like satirical work um that I'm like dang he's good at this shit and and there's also all of the stuff that came out because of the Discworld. The only online gaming experience that I ever participated in for a long period of time was this thing called the Discworld Mud. Oh. That's there's just like so much that happened because mm. of this thing. So I'm like, oh man, which thing to discuss first? Oh, what's what's the Discworld Mud? Okay, um, the Discworld Mud. Uh, muds are multi-user dungeons. They're oh. like, you know, games that are like. Get ye flask. You cannot get ye flask. You know, like text-based adventure games. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. So a mud is like it's like a a go into a room. A thing will it's all text-based. So a thing will describe what happens it, or what you see in the room, and uh, then you can like interact. Um, but a multi-user dungeon is that, but an MMO. So there are lots and lots of people in the space. 
And the Discworld mud is a still active, I believe, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's still active, multi-user dungeon experience that is the entirety of the Discworld. So, like, the Discworld is, is built in such a way that, like, if you want to be serious about it in the way that I'm, like, serious about Star Wars, you can, like, know all of it. It's mappable, you know, that, like, right. mm-hmm. friggin' maps. <laughs> they mapped the bitch and um, put it put it online <laughs> in this thing. <laughs> and it, it lends itself so well to being not a visual game, but a text-based game. Because, huh. one of the fucking books. But two, like, it's that sort of, it feels so precious you know, like to to walk somewhere and like mm-hmm. have description come at you and to walk, run into other people and see like the descriptions that they write for themselves, for their characters. Because when you look at somebody's character, you see like how I would always play a vampire who wouldn't make it through assassin school and would be like a really shitty assassin, uh, like my shitty gothic self-description and like their shitty whatever description. Um, and they do really, really fun things where if you, depending on your starting location, you'd get like a language. And if you didn't learn up the other languages in the game, you couldn't talk to each other. Oh, wow. Right? So like uh, if I wanted to learn, um, I always started in the the most difficult location. So then I'd have to stop dying from werewolves, get on a coach <laughs> and um, make my way into the city, be completely poor. The main city, like the New York, London style city called Ankmore Pork, be very poor, stay in gutters and um, slowly get enough money to go to the language school and get a basic language course training, then start learning from like street urchins. Um, It was so much fun. And then um, there'd be quests and things that you could do. You could get like urchin style quests. Or if you notice in the description of an individual square, there was like, you notice that that brick is out of place. You could be like, oh, shoot. And then pick up, I pick up the brick. And under the brick, there might be like a note or something. And you could just follow up. This thing was so intricately built that there were just all of these things to fulfill. And it was like the sort of gaming experience that I want that games don't give me, you know, because there are like puzzle quests and things to do. And people in the mud are other players are sometimes going around doing that, sometimes going around slaying monsters because there are tons of monsters to slay that I never really bothered with or just, you know, doing that classic mm-hmm. online game thing, which is hanging out in the taverns and talking to each other instead of doing <laughs> anything else. Mm hmm. So um, I have a question. Um, yeah. Being text-based, mm-hmm. is it like a multi-window, window-in-window kind of thing? How do you know when there are other people in a room with you? Um, so there would be a thing that's like the, the you could have a map up, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a window-in-window. Window. If I recall, because it's been a while since I've done it, you could like pull up a map, which would be the squares you were looking at. And like you could have a map in your pocket, which you'd open which would have the greater desk and stuff, or the city, if you were canny enough to get a city map. Um, and then you'd have to look around, like command look, to see what your space was. Oh. And that would give you like a dump out of everything that was there. And then you'd focus in on people and stuff to see what their They'd have a basic description, and then you could like look at them to see more detail on their description. Fascinating. Mm -hmm. So like I played Zork back in the day. So this is like a next level interactive with other people version of that, right? Yep. yep. It was um, really cool. I I did that throughout college and post it. And then like 
after school, I didn't really have a lot of time. But at one point, I um, like was like, I have a week off of work. I'm going to get on and get through all of the tutorial. And, you know, and as soon as I finished the tutorial, people were like, hey, how are you? Which was so surprising. And they were like, we're all guild leaders now. I have a bunch of money. And I was just like, man, what a nice community of folks. Aw. Yeah, what a sweet environment. But um, so, can we talk about the books a little more, Kat? Yes, absolutely. Discworld so, Mud Complete. It is a a significant book series, right? There's a good number of books. Yes. Where does it start? Because uh, from what I understand, okay. and correct me if I'm wrong, there are several different, like, not plots, but there are several different, like, tracks of Discworld you can read. Is that true? Yeah. So that okay. that's a good way to think about it. So um, hold on. Let me just do this. How many Discworld books are there? Oh, it says that there are 41 Discworld novels. Okay, so that's how many there are. He's done several books that are not Discworld books, but in total, there are 41 Discworld books. Wow. It starts with a book called The Color of Magic, which follows a character called Rincewind, who is a wizard who, it's questionable whether or not he deserves to be a wizard. He is a coward and doesn't, who, like, he's a character who runs away from danger and gets into a lot of adventurous situations because of his trying to avoid them. <laughs> there are basically two ways to read the Discworld. You can either read them all in the order in which they were written, or you can follow these kind of thematic beats. So Rincewind's books, kind of like, he has ones that are these big apocalyptic situations, And there aren't that many of them that are just about him dealing with big apocalyptic situations. Terry did a few of those really early because they were kind of dealing with him going, I'm going to subvert a bunch of very specific sci-fi and fantasy writing that I don't like very much. And then um, he got bored of that. (laughs) And then like eventually he comes back to it again. And I really, really like that book. But it's kind of done. And then Rincewind appears again because all of the characters are like around. It's a densely populated world in a lot of like the later wizard books, um, which have a different feel to them that are more focused on like the intersection of magic and science and technology. The The two most popular paths that people talk to go through them are The Witches, my favorite, and The Watch, my second favorite. But they're quite good. There are there are other things to progress through, but both the witch books and the the watch books are like, dang, that's the good shit right there. <laughs> the witch books follow a group of three witches, a maiden, a mother, and a crone, who are two of which are very old women, Nanny Og and Granny Weatherwax. Granny Weatherwax being my favorite character in the Discworld. Then uh, to start a younger woman named McGrath, who are like very pastoral figures out in the boonies up in the mountains of um, in a place dealing with like pastoral folks needs. And they deal with a lot of like Shakespeare type problems. The first one is a pretty, pretty clear Macbeth. And then he starts branching out and doing things that aren't very clear. Um, Shakespeare analogs. He, like my favorite 
early witch book. It's called Lords and Ladies, and it does midsummer stuff, but it also does a bunch of stuff that isn't just midsummer stuff. Cool. They handle things about, like, you know, female power, the costs of helping people Mm. and like the burdens of that and responsibility and like it's very real like what it means to be somebody who knows the sorts of help that people need Mm. and like what it means to be a witch Mm -hmm. to be someone who's capable of helping people cool yeah cool right um yeah that's pretty cool um i know i've read one of the discworld books james tried to get me into them i can't remember the name of it what what's and you haven't finished it I thought I did finish it. No, you did not. I did finish. Which one was it? <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! You did read one. I did read one. I finished one of them. It was the one. It's it was Granny Weatherwax, and then the little girl that equal she rights. equal rights. Oh, equal rights. He always starts yes. people on equal rights, but we'll we'll get he to does. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like, equal rights is one that like. I guess that's technically the first witch book, but I wouldn't consider it the first one, and I'll get to why later. Um, okay. And, like, it's okay, but it's in the earliest stages of his writing, and I feel like mm. it's fine, but it's not fully baked yet. And it's not, okay. I don't think, a great entry part to the series. If you guys don't mind, later I'll do, like, a, here's where I think you should start if you want to absolutely. get Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Cool. The Watch is a thing about police work and like they're in part somewhat formulaic Uh, they get formulaic after a while which is very funny because they didn't necessarily start that way um like procedural crime stuff but they're also mostly about like dealing with the city and um like civic responsibilities and the cost of prejudice they're like relentlessly about breaking down prejudices and they follow this character sam vimes who starts out as a drunk in a gutter on a bad section of the watch back when the watch doesn't mean anything back when like the palace guards are the people who run stuff in the city and they follow his career through to the point when like He's the chief of police at a time when that means something, and it is a well-oiled machine. Mm-hmm. And he is no longer a drunk, and he has his life together. <laughs> and, like, the watch has gone from literally three idiots <laughs> to, <laughs> um, to, like, a sprawling multi, like, to, to basically Interpol. And it is populated with members of every species on the disc. So it's a it's a cool series. I really appreciate the work that he does there. And Terry's someone who like both Granny Weatherwax and Sam Vimes are difficult people. That <laughs> um, they're they're tough to take. I really relate to Granny. She's my favorite character. But he like doesn't let her off the hook for being a difficult person and i really appreciate that like Mm. he writes them with love you'll love them hopefully um you might just be like man they are annoying (laughs) but he also like fully recognizes that like no she's she's someone who decided that love in certain ways was a bit too difficult to to handle and put it to the side and he's someone who still has his prejudices in different ways and let those be parts of his main characters and it's like cool man 
Cool. Awesome. So those are the two like main things that people are like, yeah, just read those. And I'm, I think that that's a, a valid way to approach it. There are tons of other little series. Like I mentioned, the um, the wizards deal with tech and stuff like that, which he has a he has a really cute fascination with. I, I don't know. Um, uh, Terry Pratchett is just like, I like sci-fi <laughs> and got really into like theoretical physics and stuff and he was like how but how would my world work and mm. you know started trying to figure that out and from that a bunch of books came about where he's dealing with trying to make his magic make sense cool then he has um some later books that i adore centered around this character named moist von lipwig who <laughs> terrible name mm. um i was just gonna who, say um, mm. yeah it's a right mm. but that's like Acknowledge that it's like, um, who is a con artist. Absolutely. Yeah, who is supposed to die and the head of the city, my second favorite character, the patrician Vetinari, doesn't kill him and is like, well, you have effectively died, but now, if unless you would like us to just carry out your sentence, you now work for me and I would like you to reform the postal service. <laughs> and he's like, what the... What? <laughs> I was a con artist. Strange. What do you expect from me? And he's like, I, well, that's the task at hand. So in the first book, Moist reforms the postal service. And in the second book, he reforms the banks. Um, so he just gets what? settled with these things to do. And it's very endearing. With this horrific bureaucratic task. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. The, like the civic books are so good. God, I love them. Um, there's also, oh God, I didn't mention John's favorite books, um, the death-centric books, which are, oh God, they're so good. Those yeah. are the ones I always hear people talk about. Mm-hmm. I, I hear people talk about the witches, like I've heard Granny Weatherwax's name before multiple times, mm-hmm. but the ones I always hear people talk about for Discworld are death. It's always death. Cool. Extremely quotable. From I think I part of that might be because those were the ones that were like super easily accessible when we were in high school. Mm, okay. At least in my experience, when I was in high school, those are the ones that everyone was trying to get me to read all the time. <laughs> so in my very <laughs> niche perspective, that's the thing that it's like, um, I don't know how much of like Moist and, and certainly not Tiffany Aching, which we haven't even gotten into yet. Those things, I don't know that they were out yet, you know, but like death around really really well like all of the meat of those books existed and they're so good like the only television series that I rewatch with any regularity because there have been very few tv adaptations of the books that I've been like this was successful is one of the death books it's a christmas special it's called um the hog father so the death books follow death who is death um he you know a guy in a black robe with a sickle who goes and takes people's souls who is a sweetheart oh yeah i mean he why wouldn't he be you know that like he's a very compassionate individual he likes cats and he likes curry and like the problem with him is that he over the millennia has grown to really appreciate like he really likes everyone on the disc world oh yeah that's Um, pretty cute it's really cute and um this occasionally causes problems for uh his main enemies or detractors which are uh often envisioned as these things called the auditors of reality who are like there are rules and things need to be kept in place and he like 
accidentally fucks with stuff because sometimes he gets notions in his head like, well, what if, what if not everything had to die, you know, or like, like, um, or what if I didn't have to do this job? I don't want to have to do this job. What if somebody took it over for me? Mm-hmm. So like stuff like that. And uh, it doesn't follow just him. It also follows his, in time, follows his granddaughter, this girl named Susan, Susan DeEth, who is so wait, great. Wait. Yeah, Susan she's so great. DeEth? DeEth. Um <sighs> who is this girl with white hair with a black streak who just wants to like be a nanny and be a teacher and take care of kids and be normal she just wants to be normal and uh but she's not she's like the most dark mary poppins of all of these things (laughs) (laughs) and um she's you know you can't be normal when your grand when your grandpa's death no. Um, yeah, she keeps getting she gets get getting roped back in for one last job. So Kat. Yep. Why is it called Discworld? Okay. Uh wow. We didn't get to talk about that until now. Okay. The Discworld <laughs> is a flat disc on the back of four elephants on the back of a great turtle named uh the Great Atuine that uh swims through space. Yep. So it's a disc. Oh wow. That's why it's called the Discworld. Is it just the top of the disc or is it the bottom as well so like could there be things on the underside you ask or over the edge perhaps a great question which might be explored in one of the novels of the disc world (laughs) i'm fascinated by this (laughs) yeah that's uh (laughs) they they call our dimension and our world the round world so disc world round world uh i really God, I love so much of, like, the logistics of it, because he didn't, he wasn't just, like, I mean, he started off with, like, creation myth stuff, I'm going to put. I I like the, I like when we have the the turtle and stuff on the turtle, like, I like when we have the elephants and stuff on the elephants, I'm just going to stack them up and put a thing on top, and I'm good. But then he, like, built it out. So there's hubwards and rimwards are the directions that people navigate by. And the hub is a giant mountain region, the top of which is called Mount Cori Celesti, and all of the gods of the Discworld live there. The gods all, like, live off of a system of belief. People believe in them. The gods stick around, and they get to get up to a lot. And then also... The hub is kind of where the magic is centered. Okay. Um, And it, like, flows out from there. So that's the basic economy of, like, the zhuzh on the disc. And and then the, you know, there are various countries and... And things scattered throughout. Cool. So, So what do you think the likelihood is that we could convince... Flat earthers that those books are true, and we're just on the other side of that disc. Oh, dang. I think we should try. I think it would be good. We should start, like, a Facebook page and a Twitter account and just, like, put, and and a blog, and, like, just put out there all of this information. (laughs) Mel, don't shake your head at me. Don't shake your head at me. But, like, put put together these... Convincing Look over the goals and see great, great Atuin. Yeah, I like, mean that turtle sounds awesome. 
Mm-hmm. I want to hang cool. out with that turtle. But that's cool. I, I really think we could convince a lot of idiots on the internet that this is a real thing. Kat, I'm just saying. What is the recommended age range for these books? Oh, it's all over the place because he has books that take place on the disc that I don't know if they're even considered like real Discworld books. I think they are. But they take place on the, the disc even if they're not like a part of the thing. Oh, God. What's this one called? Ah, it's about Puss in Boots, but not. Basically, <laughs> oh, no. So well, I'll start with talking about Tiffany Aching. So there are books that teenagers on up were reading and that I enjoyed, which is the majority of the books, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that I'm sure, like, a 12-year-old could engage with, but I, I don't think that that is his primary, like, that's not what he's thinking of when he's writing. Um, but then there's the Tiffany Aching series, which is what the witch books became after a while, and those are young adult books. Mm, okay. okay. So Tiffany Aching is a young witch who grew up in, like, the plains, in the loam, so different than the three witches that we were talking about before who are up in the mountains. And her first book is called We Free Men. Yeah, We Free Men, then A Hat Full of Sky, then The Winter Smith, then I Shall Wear Midnight, and then The Shepherd's Crown. Five books. Yeah, these are, like mid-grade to young adult books and she learns like all of the same stuff in the other that you'd get in the other books but they're like slightly less aggressively combative from the get-go you know that they that they really take time teaching the lessons which are good lessons for a kid to learn especially just dealing with the realities of being a a woman who's Mm. going to have to pick up other people's slack is like yeah you know (laughs) um it does it it does the thing yeah, that that was going to be my next question. Like, what kind of issues do, do they face? They face so much, so gosh darn much. Like anything good that you can think of, there's a Discworld book for that. <laughs> um, that's the. Cool. There's so many things that, like, if I'm feeling a certain way, I will pick up a specific book and read it or listen to it because uh, I haven't talked about the audiobooks at all. But I love these audiobooks. They're done by either a guy named Nigel Planer or a guy named Stephen Briggs. The majority of them. And both have fantastic voices and they're fantastic listening. But like, gosh, these are good books, y'all. <laughs> um, like, man, if you're dealing with having gender feelings, there's a book called Monstrous Regiment. That's a one off book. Ooh. That's like, man, this gets at a lot of this because the, the Discworld is set at like a time period that is it's different time periods for different parts of the disc. But it is definitely, like, medieval through, by the end of it, we get two trains. Um, you know, like, it's... it's uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Cool. Okay. It's, it's a fantasy thing that, like, yeah. does that thing, right? Yeah. So it sounds like he created a distinct world and then said, what if we followed these people at this specific time and did this? Like, he wrote a thorough history and then he said this is where this should get set, and then wrote a series of books in it. Yeah. Okay. And he figured out a lot as he went along. Um, He really, like, branched it out. He took what he... He never really retconned anything. He just built. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I talked a lot about, like, the things that that just went, but there are also these one-off books that are some of my favorite. Like, um, Monstrous Regiment follows this group of um, soldiers in this country, Boragravia, during a war that 
and they are clearly on the losing side. It is a country that um, has been like really dedicated to their god and has been mm. warring for a long time and has no resources. And they are, it becomes increasingly clear to this small regiment, um, the last group like sent out you know and it is just hopeless and you are following this character named polly who also who in order to sign up has gone by oliver and oh yeah yeah. uh that's a good it's guys it's fucking good (laughs) um (laughs) love that uh it's a it's a good trope that's another thing terry pratchett guys he's fuck he fucking gets it Everything he fucking gets it. Uh, all, like his his characters are basically even split male female at least. And from the start, there's great body diversity. Like there's no you know like and wide yeah. age ranges. That's there. Like he just gets it, and it was never an issue. And he like was never patting himself on the back. He just That's like awesome. and. And Mel, you said that James tried to start you on equal rights, which is mm-hmm. a thing that's clearly about, you know, about feminist issues and about gender. And it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, he fucking gets it. <laughs> you know, that it's just. Yeah, that's great. It's cool. It was a very good book. Yeah. And like, I, I quite like equal rights. That's one of the shittily written ones, you know? That's so it's like, so if you liked it, it's not one that I'd start you on because it's not, it's one that I'd be like, go back and read Equal Rights. I love it, but it's right. not even, it's not even the fucking thing yet, you know? So. Gotcha. He's, he's cool. Well, I, he I know I'm, I'm hooked. Cool. I yeah, do I'm, want to I'm read ready. more. Yeah. Um, cool. I, I got really excited about the world and I wanted to see more of where that story went but i know that the the books don't continue on those characters so uh, like it, it well, continues with mel, granny weatherwax mel oh they pick up tell in me the tiffany aching series eventually oh ah, mm-hmm. good to know mm-hmm. maybe i'll go there next so Kat, where should we start reading? So great question. There are lots of different possible places to start reading but the thing that i would do I would pick up one of the one-offs, like Monstrous Regiment, to see if you like the stuff. And I would suggest doing one of the kind of earlier one-offs, because, like, there's so much good in the earlier stuff. But if you start with one of the later ones, I feel like you'll be spoiled by how good, you know, it's like starting on the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, where it's like, don't, you should probably watch some of the early stuff, because... You should know. You should know, and you... <laughs> you should know. Why Why spoil yourself on good special effects when it'll be harder to adapt to how janky things were sure. at one point? Sure, mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then, if you like the contents of those one-offs, probably pick one of the... Either The Watch or Death or... Um, the witch's books and just read that series all the way through. Cool. So um, the the ones that I tend to recommend to people are um, like uh, Small Gods, which is a book that is, um, I believe, chronologically takes place in the Discworld's chron- chronology very early as compared to most of the other things, which are kind of coterminous. And is about how religion and how gods and things work on the disc and is like a really Terry Pratchett is an atheist and he has a lot of respect for religion. Um, and it's a beautiful meditation. 
then I also personally really like this one called Moving Pictures, which is about Hollywood. That's It's one of the ones that I listen to like the most in trying to go to bed and stuff. And I don't know, maybe it's just because with the work that I do, I'm an entertainer and stuff that it's just like, dang, I really like this one. Um, but yeah. I, I like old Hollywood stuff and it's Aww, fun. That's cool. Yeah. So I'd start with one of those sorts of things. Just look for his one off series um, and grab cool. one. Or if you're just like. No, I want to get to the really good stuff, then then I highly recommend Monstrous Regiment. It is top notch. Awesome. Yeah, that that one definitely sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah it's I've good. Heard, I've heard that title before. I know there's a there's a theater company in Chicago called Lifeline that does stage adaptations of written works of mm-hmm. novels. Like that's their their modus operandi. And I know that a year or two ago, maybe more at this point. Um, they did an adaptation for the stage of Monstrous Regiment. And cool. I didn't get to go see it, but I heard about it, and I heard it was really, really good. Yeah. So that sounds like a good story for me. Cool. Yep, that's what I do. Uh, I hope I hope you do, and I hope everyone who's listening gives it a shot. It's great stuff. That's sometimes uh, Pratchett is compared to, like, Stephen King, and I'm like, well, okay, he's well, yes, better. But no, but yes. He's <laughs> yeah. just as prolific. That's the thing. Yeah, That's yeah. it. Prolific is a good word for it, I think. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Well, Kat, thank you so much for telling us about the Discworld. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for yeah. having me, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where can folks find you if they want to bug you about Discworld questions or listen to some of the things you create? Sure. The place to listen to things is oneshotpodcast.com. And then the place to find me is on Twitter at at Wolves Are Cool with cool spelled like my last name, K-U-H-L. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad that you hyped us about this. I have had many questions for many moons, and I'm glad that this is a good thing that I can talk to you about after I read some. Yay! Yeah, I'm always excited to talk to people about it. Ah, <laughs> gosh, I hope you do read so that we can talk about it now. I'm really excited. Yay! Perfect. Mm. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much Thanks, for letting me Kat. talk about this. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we hope you got a little bit of hype about this. Or maybe it triggered some interesting ideas for things that you are hype about that you'd like to hype at us. Yeah, please do tweet at us. We are at GetHypePod or email us at GetHypePod at gmail.com. We've got a whole list of people that we'd love to get as guests, but we also want to know what you want to hear. Thanks for listening and stay hype. Stay hype, guys. <laughs>